good afternoon and welcome to another Clearwater Jazz Holiday Foundation's Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. I am your guest host for today, Michael Kernodal. It is a pleasure because today's educator is Dr. Pete Carney and the topic is improvisation practice methods. I'm so excited to hear what he's gonna share with us because this is a very, very important topic. And just to remind you, if you have any questions, you can always hit that um, raise your hand feature right there or type your question in the chat. And we wanna make sure we reserve enough space at the end uh, for our educators to answer any questions. And, and don't forget, we hope you enjoy today's sessions. If you wanna check out any upcoming sessions, you can always go to our website, www.clearwaterjazz.com slash education. And your feedback is very important. And if there's any topics you want to suggest, just email us at info at clearwaterjazz.com. And also, please be sure to check out the studio archive of past video sessions at clearwaterjazz.com's education and outreach section, brought to you by Blue Water Wealth Management at Stewart Partners and Duke Energy. As well, make sure you check out the Young Lines podcast available wherever you stream, and that's brought to you by our friends at Marine Max Clearwater. And just search Young Lines Jazz Master virtual sessions wherever you see streaming. Just to give you some past sessions that we've had uh, with Dr. Pete Carney, he's had uh, Safer at Home, Advanced Improvisations with Simple Tech, parts one through three, Acid Jazz and Chili Hop. <laughs> right. These are production techniques. I bet that was a great one. And building a good solo. These are all great things that we need as musicians. And just a little bit about Dr. Carney. He's a director of jazz studies at the State College of Florida in Bradenton. Recently, his big band students took eight out of 20 chairs in the all-state band for state collegiate. Yeah. That is very impressive. In recent years, two of his students have won first place in the statewide FCFFA oh, jazz. That's event. three years now. Oh, <laughs> we just won. Get that right yeah, we, now. <laughs> we just won a week ago, so it's exciting. Congratulations. That's for our improvisation scholarship comp competition. He's previously given lectures on Radiohead and jazz at the National Jazz Conference and given a TED Talk on designing curiosity in the music education room. Uh, his music textbooks, Interactive Listening, was uh, chosen by Apple as editor's choice. And locally, he hosts the jazz sessions at various locations. What an impressive resume here, and we are in for a treat. So, doctor, the stage is all yours. All right, thanks a lot, Michael. Um, it's great to be back. Um, I haven't done a, a workshop in a while, and I'm glad it's still going. And it's such a great resource we're creating here for generations of people to learn about jazz. Um, it's something I'm very passionate about um, because it it just brings so much to the world. Um, for anybody out there, I should he mentioned that I do play uh, around town. I'm hosting a session, and I've started having some young musicians come out. So it's at this place, this new place called Bayboro Brewery, and it's open to all ages. Um, and that's the first Thursday of the month we're doing a jazz session there. So if you're young and you want to come play with some of the older cats, feel free to stop by. And um, it's a very welcoming stage because I run it and it's 
good vibes, you know? So, um, no, it's not a cutting contest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, I've been teaching jazz for, for a while now. Um, and I'm passionate about jazz as a performer also. And, um, consistently I just want to convey a few things about like practicing improvisation and musicianship. First of all, um, it starts from your musicianship. You know, do you warm up long enough in the, when you start out practicing, even before we get to improvisation, I'd like to talk to you today, you know, about incorporating an improv into your warm up, so that when you take out your horn, um, you're kind of warming up with some long tones, but you're immediately thinking of yourself as a creative person, right? It's important that you carry that image in your own mind, like I am creative, all the time that you play music, if you're going to participate in this, in this music. You have to, uh, you can't just sort of take music and you can't just take the paint, the sheet music, you know, like... It's like somebody's not gonna hand you this. It's jazz isn't here. It just starts on the paper, right? And so I think a lot of us come to jazz um, from a confused world because we come from maybe concert band where it's more traditional reading. And then we're so used to reading that we're not used to creating our own music for ourselves. All right. Um, the other part that I mentioned was your warm up routine. That's super important for your musicianship. Um, if you just get your horn out and you start practicing your big band parts, or you just practice improv- improvising right away, you're not spending any time on your body as a musician, your, the physical part of, of your instrument. And it's different for each instrument, you know, whether you were talking about bass or saxophone or trombone, but the facts remain the same, that great musicians take their horn out and they just start moving some air first. Whether that air is moving with a bow on the bass or whether that air is moving with your lungs, you know? Um, and I, it's the most important part of how, you, how you're gonna sound for the rest of that day. And it kind of echoes through the week. Um, the only time I don't warm up is if I've already been playing today, you know, because then you're already sort of in it. That's not, you don't like have to start warming up, but I would just encourage you, if you want to improvise and you want to be a musician, you have to start with long tones and you have to start with just listening to your body and what's going on physically um, and pay attention and spending some time just on your muscles and your sound and there's a lot of different ways you can sound in jazz. Um, but the, the one thing that we always come back to simply is, is that what I want to sound like? Or is that the best I can sound? And if you answer that question truthfully, you're probably making progress. Every day, you put the horn on your face, you say, is this sound, is that who I want people to hear me as, you know? is that the sound that i want to be my personality as a musician we're not talking about decorations or vibrato or we're just talking about just straight tone it's also the time your body's building muscle 
Okay, it's it can only recall like your your brain will only recall stuff that's a good memory, like it's deep in your psyche. So you're you know, of course, if you think about it in sports, it would be the same, right? Baseball players, you never see them just go out there and throw a hundred miles an hour. It would never do that. A, a great reliever or a starting pitcher, they would never walk out there and just throw it as hard as they can, right? They always start at a lower speed, or sometimes they even start throwing a towel first, right? Or any way that you're going to warm up those muscles. Um, and it's also creating a deep psychological memory of the process of creating sound. So I would encourage everybody um, to warm up for five minutes, just playing long notes. Let me give you sort of a quick example. Um, I've already warmed up today, but this is what it would sound like if I was warming up and uh, you just walked by my office. This is what, if I just got the horn out today, you would hear five minutes or seven minutes of this. And this is just an A drone uh, played on a cello. You can just go on YouTube and type in drone for music practice or cello drone or whatever you want. And there's a, there's a ton of different um, options. And I kind of actually change it up and use different ones every day. So I don't get too locked into one key or one, um, one part of the instrument too much. So point being is if I'm, um, if I'm practicing, I am warming up. There's no such thing as practicing without warming up because it's more important than the actual practice. So you would hear this if you walk by me practicing. Don't be afraid of bending the pitch a little bit like I was doing. Just to double check your intonation. It gives you, it builds some flexibility, but it also, it double checks. You can, if you listen to yourself too much, you can actually play out of tune. That's sort of a misconception I have like with young, younger students is like, uh, um, if I tell them they're playing out of tune, they'll often listen more to themselves. Right. The problem is when you the more you focus on trying to fix yourself, the more you listen to yourself, the more you can accidentally not listen to the other things around you. So it makes it hard. You know, when like if I tell you you have a problem, you're trying to fix it. But the only way you fix intonation is to be sympathetic to something outside of you. So you, in a sense, have to listen not to yourself. You have to listen to the drone to find your spot on that B flat I was playing. I was a little, I felt like it's not exactly what I want. You know, it's not exactly what I want. So the, I just pull it way out of tune and then it helps me find my way back to what I do like the most. It's not a question of does it sound good, right? It's a question of 
Is this the best place for that note? That's the harder question to answer. I'm a big fan of this next part where we're just talking about just warming up my instrument. I'm warming up my face. I'm paying attention to my muscles. It's very much like doing a yoga stretch. Sorry, I'm just getting my reed wet. It's a little dry. Um, it's very much like a, a, it is your, it's your best time to really um, clear your head mentally and to be a musician um, in a very sort of primal way and just get down with a couple notes, you know, and you just pay attention to your air and your body. Is everything moving okay? And again, is this the best sound that I can create or not? This is a great place to start improvising. That's my, uh, my next step here about like practicing and improvisational methods. If you're, a lot of younger students are scared of improvising because they don't know where to start. Oh, well, what do I play? I've, nobody has ever asked me. <laughs> Nobody's ever told me that I can now pick out my own notes, you know? So like, it's very intimidating. Um, and it, it sort of depends on your, uh, your personality. Everybody can do it without a doubt. There's no, I have no doubt that everybody can improvise. I've taught you know, kids for whatever, 30 years and grown through my own sort of inhibition of improvising. Um, but some people are definitely prone to jump in there and give it a shot. And other people are scared of making a mistake or scared of breaking something. You're not gonna break something. Um, improvisation is a long-term um, commitment to musicianship that you're a part of in your life, right? You're, every note you play, it's gonna be a little bit better than the next one. Um, you're sort of on a journey. Um, we never finish this journey of improv. It's always a, a continuous story. All right. Again, the, the big hang up is usually, well, I don't know what to play. All right. I don't know what to play. So I like to start with just my major scale. And Im improv can also be intimidating because you have to play notes and you have to play rhythm and you have to put those two together in time. And that it can be daunting because both of those are like are separate mechanisms in your brain, like creating a rhythm and creating a, a great note choice, sort of. Those two things are different processes. So how do we break, how do we achieve both of those? To me, what I wanna talk about today is just showing you a few ways to break those projects in half. <clears throat> One, why don't you just work on improvising by itself without rhythm? And it will turn into a very, like beautiful Coltrane type ballad, or if you listen to John Coltrane's Love Supreme, a lot of really good jazz guys, or especially younger guys that are um, from like great uh, music schools, uh, they can play bebop, but they can't just play over a drone like this and tell a compelling story. 
over a simple note. So it is still, a, and it's still really important in New York when you go or Chicago or wherever you go here, jazz, you know, around Florida. Um, what can you do with a simple note is a very important question as a musician. So um, you have to work on it. I've, I get, again, my point is I've seen a lot of guys that have studied the advanced part of jazz and they've, they have somehow, they still have a hole in them about playing over something very simple. All right. So, and if you ignore it, you know, you don't get better at it. You have to kind of build it in. The best way to do it is to build it in from the beginning of your workout or your, your routine. Uh, I've been doing, I've been practicing like this for, I don't know, uh, too many years, 30 years, probably when somebody first taught it to me. And I still think that it's one of the most influential things that I've, I was ever shown. Um, and it came from a classical teacher who just said, you know, just for in terms of working on intonation and sound, but I realized it was also a beautiful way to learn to improvise. So <clears throat> I'm going to put this drone on. This is just an A drone. I'm just going to play some melodies over it. The trick here, or like the part that you run into as a jazz person, is it takes away all of your um, sort of show off skills, all right? And you have to play from the heart. And it reveals who you are without all your technique. You know, you can't just be a jazz musician with chops, like I was saying before. You have to be versatile in your expression. Um, can you play some, can you still get people's attention with a very simple exercise? That's a, that's, that's a higher judge of your musicianship to most people. Most people that listen to you, they want to hear what you sound like, just stark, you know, no rhythm, no chords, just a note. So I'm going to play over this, um, this A drone a little bit. And again, I'm at first I'll play over it and, and we'll make it A major because that's more sort of natural to us. Um, I find that it's even it's better for your scale practice also. Um, in high school and middle school, we get a lot of scale practice going straight up and down the scale. All right, that's nice. It does teach you some notes, um, but it doesn't teach you anything about creativity. And I think it actually kind of like prevents you from thinking about yourself as a creative person. Like you should practice your scales as improvisation. That's the best way to manipulate your scales to really understand what they do. So I'm just going to play, we'll start with this A drone. I'm just going to play some A major over the top of it. I'm going to try and just tell a real simple story um, that, that a, a simple story that's just compelling music that I like, haven't practiced before. I'm just taking that A major scale and improvising in the moment in a, in a very, um, traditional way around the world. Most of the world gets down with this idea on a regular basis of somebody like in, in India or Africa, somebody just playing a note and somebody singing or playing over the top of it. It's like our, hu our basic human activity. Jazz is a different version of that with much more um, complicated rules. But this is uh, native to all countries in a sense to me. 
you hear it in, in folk music around the world. So a great way to just start improvising. It takes rhythm out of the game. You're just improvising with in a very kind of simple spiritual way. Like the, it's like you have to kind of be the, the person you really are, honesty type music. So that's the, that's the, in a sense, you have to get in touch with yourself. Um, and if you, that the beginning, what I just played was something I haven't played before, wasn't really pre-planned, um, but it is based on a lot of practice of this idea to be able to speak over one note in a coherent way. And it's sort of like very simple human behavior. You know, it's, to me, it's just like, that's where we come from. Jazz is a thing that is different than this, but it comes from that place. And you could, what I just played, you could hear on a Coltrane album, you could hear on a Kenny Garrett album, you could hear on a Pat Metheny album, um, you name it. Um, you could hear it in an R&B band, to be honest with you. You could hear it in a gospel church because it, it's sort of like the core of, of what we do as a, as a musician is just play over in a drone or a basic note and trying to trying to tell a, a simple story. You can tell more complicated stories, but the thing is, if this sort of exercise, if it if you play this for somebody 
and it doesn't work for them, you need to figure this part out. You need to figure out how you connect with people on this level because everything comes after this. Bebop, it will, I'll talk about my next thing is has like a different approach, but um, man, this is just uh, where people come from. You know, whether they play, whether they listen to jazz or blues or gospel or rock band or country band, everybody could hang with what I just played because it's, it's part of our like human nature. Um, so it's the most important part of improvisational practice to me is what can you play over one note? I can see that person when you play over one note and you, I can, I can understand your personality. You don't have to have the same personality as me at all. Uh, you shouldn't be trying to play the same feeling or spirit as me, but you should have something that feels honest. What you run into with this is uh, some, like I mentioned earlier, older players that can play on the more advanced stuff, but they can't um, speak on this concept is because there's something there, some emotional hangup that might be getting in the way of you um, committing to the openness that you have to have as a musician. And uh, uh, Wynton Marsalis said that to me once um, at, a, at a jam session. He, he said, you know, oh, it, it was at a kind of a young people's jam session hangout. And he was talking to a bunch of us that were probably 20 something. And he said, um, you know, at the next level, people have to like you. He's like, on the big stages, people have to like you as a person to pay to come see you, you know, and it stuck with me because you can't just technique your way to the end of jazz, you know, even as a teacher, it, it, like even people have to like me as a teacher to teach jazz uh, because you can't get there alone through the technique of teaching, right? There's a personality that is required that everybody has. I don't think everybody has a bad personality. We have different senses of humor, but um, musically that little exercise there, it, it shows what your hangups are as an improviser. Um, whether you can be patient, can you play simple melodies that, that people connect with? That you that, Can you play something you really feel and put it out there? Or do you have to hide behind technique? Really important question. Um, you know, I, I just recently judged along these lines. Um, I was recently judged the national saxophone competition out in, in Arizona last year, and it was um, the top 10 college players, and they were all phenomenal, absolutely in, incredible. But the person who won, he didn't have the best technique, he did not have the best technique, he had the best feeling. He made, the, he made people the most happy when he played. Um, he had the most like jazz, like dialect in his voice when he played his, the saxophone. Like it just felt like the most jazz because he was in it for the music. Um, other people thought they could technique with their way. Other people had more chops than him, but this guy was the most... Uh, you connected with him when he put the instrument on his face. You, you wanted to, it, it wasn't, he was never a show off. 
you know, he was just, he had all the same chops as everybody. He was just below showing off. You never felt like he was trying to show you that he could play. And that little honesty thing is so important. So again, for people that are just beginning to explore improvisation, let's go back to this drone again. It's just a note. It's just a basic A that, I'm, that we're playing here. I like starting in A major because we're kind of familiar with that in high school and middle school. It gives us a good starting point for um, what we're comfortable with. But there's no reason that it has to be any particular scale, right? It's just a note. It's not actually a scale or a chord. So what if we change that A into A minor? Let's check that out. Again, it sounds like a million movie scores also. <laughs> It could be anything from Game of Thrones to John Coltrane Equinox, you know? major and minor. Michael Brecker did that, and so does Kenny Garrett. He does that a lot. For those of you guys who are like, no, no, who, who specifically were you talking about? Well, how did they find it? They probably found it just like this, real patiently exploring uh, one note. All right, so now what if this um, drone, this, this, what if this chord didn't really have any key? What if it, what if I just played any chromatic note over it and it's, it's sort of like the, the drone, the, the A in the bottom is the governor of the conversation. So I'll start from the A, but then I'll move around and try some other notes and work on my tuning and my music and work on my improvisation. Um, stretching away from A and then coming back to A. Coltrane. 
things you know how did he find these chords over these pedal notes really patiently you know just exploring the the rules of music that are created by one note To check out because you start to realize that um, there aren't really right answers. There's only right ways to play notes and create uh, your story that you can use consonant and dissonance at your disposal if you have a, a sense of logic in your solo. So you can't just play a bunch of random notes. It's still, if that A is there, it's sort of the the governor on the chessboard, all right? It's the it's like the king of the chessboard and it still kind of rules the game, but you can move all all these other pieces on the table, all these other notes you have to choose from. Um they they can be used however you want as long as you create a logical use of that. You know, I, I think like the most dissonant notes are sort of like I guess it would compare it to like the rook or the bishop, like they kind of only have certain specific moves that they do that you can only use dissonance for so long before it runs out, runs its course. It sounds like disconnected. The, the beauty of music is always this balance of consonant and dissonant. Um, so over that A, any note can sound good. You just have to know that A is still driving the conversation and it's up to you to spin a melody using consonant and dissonant notes that are interesting. As long as, but again, it has to come back to the rules of A. You're in the key of A in the bass. And that, that has to kind of guide your conversation musically. And if you do that, you always win. And you learn a lot about what chords do and what they sound like just by this sort of improvisation just by playing over a note and just creating a staircase above that bass, you start to understand the language um, that's available to you. It's hard to understand uh, A major if you haven't gone through it really slowly and just spent some time playing each note above a bass note and start to feel what that chord, how it sits in your ear and what it does when it's right and when, in, and when it's in a nice intonation spot. What does it do um, that really works? Because they're all different. Just in A major, all seven of those notes have a different personality. Check it out. I'll play just a little bit longer. Listen for the, like the sort of personality of each note. Mm -hmm. 
Like that's the root. It's pretty just it's stable, right? The, the, the next note, second note has more tension in it. Third note's really bright, kind of major, typical, uh, very sunny to me. Right, very Western classical music sort of sound. Fourth note has some tension. It wants to go back to the third note. Fifth note stable. Kind of, it's a strong note. Sixth note is pretty, but kind of um, passive. Or mysterious, or uh, graceful, or like kind of leans outside. Major seventh can be really beautiful, but very tense. It's beautiful because it's almost the root. I, mean, I can tell those are my impressions of it. Those are my feelings about it. But you have to explore yourself really slowly and and like get the taste for each each note above the bass to really feel what you can do with them. That's just the major scale. And then go back through your minor scale, like we talked about, and also um, by trying any note over it. Um, I think I'll leave it for there for today. It's one of my favorite routines. It's the one that I come back to more than anything um, for really understanding what music is. Um, if you've got any questions, don't be afraid to shoot me an email. Um, it's Pete at interactivelistening.com. Um, and I'll be glad to ask help with anything. Again, improvisation is a long trip, but everybody has it inside of you. I don't really teach people how to improvise. I teach how to get it out of you. You know, it's jazz and music in general. They're not, um, yes, there are things we learned. We learn to play like other people for sure, but this exercise reveals what you have going on inside yourself and like what's trying to come out. And that part I never teach. I think I never try and make somebody sound like me um, because that wouldn't be interesting to have two of us, right? So I hope that helps. Uh, and it's good to see Lee and it's good to see Michael and Deb. Thank you. I appreciate you guys being here. Hey, awesome, awesome session, Dr. P. Um, quick question. We, we do have a couple of questions that came in for you. Uh -huh. Hopefully you can help us with that. Sure. Um, I appreciate you putting a focus on simplicity and really connecting with the listener and not just making it about techniques and acrobats. I know we hear that right. in some players where it's all about techniques and, you know, yeah. um, so tell us, you know, what helped you find your sound and not rely on those techniques? You know, at what point did you say, all right, this is me. Now I have something original that 
that Pete stands out. Mm. Not Miles, not Coltrane, but this is me. At what point did you find that? Um, I guess I would say I've never found that to some extent. You know, you you become comfortable with the quest, you know, but um, you're you you like we are definitely like, the best way to find yourself is to uh, do good work. <laughs> you know, it sounds silly, but like check out other people. The more people you absorb, the more you find yourself. So you have to go through your own like this. This warm up for me helps me find myself personally, because it if it doesn't if you can't do it, there's an emotional hang up there. Like and there's there's definitely students that can't do it. The reason I brought this exercise today is because I've had students that get locked up and this is so simple that it's too exposed. And it reveals that you can't, that you're, you're hiding yourself and you're still fighting that demon. So we have to deal with that sooner than later or else you'll never come out of that box and you'll always be looking for technique to hide who you are. Like again, technique is super important, um, but it's just an extension of the person. If the person's not there, the technique's never going to get you there. We've all heard this. It's one of the the, the dangers of jazz is creating uh, people that have a lot of chops, but they don't have a, a reason to play spiritually from their inner being. You know, it is one of the holdups of jazz is that we. Um, we don't get in touch with ourselves sometimes. Um, but uh, yeah, finding yourself is a, it's a tricky question. You commit to the fact that there's someone there and you're always going to be looking for that person. And you find that person through the work that you do in the music. I, and I would say, you know, the people that find themselves the most are, are um, they love what they're doing. You know, so you find it through some sort of general love for the music that's really honest and truthful. If and if you're if you're on that quest, if you're on the quest for fame and dollars, this is the wrong style of music <laughs> for you. Um, there's very few of us that are famous, and there's very few of us that are rich, and that's not me. So, but I, I love the journey of jazz, and I think the people that are the healthiest and musically, they do find themselves because they enjoy going to the practice room and they enjoy practicing. Like that is the journey. And like Kobe Bryant said that here, uh, somebody asked him about success and he says, like the, the practice is the dream. You know, like I love, like, why are you still shooting baskets the day after you won the last championship he won? He said, because I love practicing like that. The dream is to be able to go practice. It is not the dream. The dream to use music to take you somewhere is rarely successful because it's not it's not sincere. So you have to look for that sincerity in your heart and your lifestyle and everything you do in your life. It, you don't have to be, you know, it's not just about jazz. It's about the person. Right. And if that person is healthy, you'll find your musical self. You'll find the thing you want to give to the world. Um, and it, some of that is just. I feel like at the end of the day, the, the people that I know that 
have struggled with that, haven't been in touch with the questions of their life that they're still fighting. Um, but the people that do find it, they enjoy the process of looking. They enjoy the process of hunting for, for the music. Well, that's a great answer. And I love the fact that we, we continue to use the word journey because in every recording, you know, we, we always hear, okay, yeah, I recorded that five years ago. That's where I was at that time. Sure. You know, I heard that 10 years ago. That, oh, that's where I was. What was going on? Why did I play like that? Maybe right. It was an experience. So, you know, knowing who we are, it all comes together with our journey and how we connect with this music that we love called jazz. Yeah. You know, just one another, you know, being able to be original and, and no, I may not play like Dizzy. Right. <laughs> I may not play as many notes, but you mentioned connecting with the crowd. I yeah. hear some musicians, they keep it real simple and everyone loves hearing them because they can relate. Yeah. Sometimes our listeners, you know, can't sing a thousand notes, but they could sing maybe 15 and sing right. it on the way home and and pick up your, pro your, your project <laughs> or stream it every day because they connect with it. Yes. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you don't connect with audiences, you're not in touch with yourself also. You know, that's the other danger. You know, um, I think a lot of musicians try and go on stage rather than trying to go into themselves, you know, and the audience can you can overperform, you know, something or, or you could be looking for the wrong thing on stage, you know, rather than, and, and the, the stage is hard to figure out. That is really, you know, we talk about people that don't connect. I mean, that's really hard to figure out because nobody goes up there to not succeed, but the people that succeed the most, you have like a emotional um, truthfulness, you know, Absolutely. So we want to thank you so much, Dr. Carney, for this um, session today on improvisation practice methods. I think we've learned so much from this session. And I just want to remind everyone, if you enjoyed today's session, you can always go to our website and check out what's coming up new, www.clearwaterjazz.com slash education. And um, you can always email us if you have any feedback or if you want to tell us how wonderful these sessions have been. Or uh, we always recommend go tell other people of the great things you're hearing here, whether you're a seasoned musician or you're a up-and-coming beginner. Share it with someone else and we'll love to see you here on the next one. And until next time, I'm your guest host, Michael Canodal, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Clearwater Jazz Holidays, Young Lions Jazz Master Virtual Sessions. Thank you to our friends at Marine Max Clearwater for helping to present this podcast series. To learn more about the Clearwater Jazz Holiday Annual Festival tradition, other special events throughout the year, and our year-round education and outreach, please visit clearwaterjazz.com.